Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Hulkcast. We're recording after Villa beat Yeovil midweek to advance in the Carabao Cup. And after they drew uh, yesterday with Ipswich in a rather tepid match uh, when they first 10 men against Paul Hurst's struggling side. Um, I'm not joined by uh, Danny Rasa today. It's me, James, again. But I'm not joined by Danny. It's uh, Stevie Green I've got here. How are you doing, mate? Oh, I'm, not too, I'm not too bad, thank you, mate. How are you? I thought it's going to go not too good then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Subconsciously, I think I'm somewhere else. No, yeah, I thought, oh my God, that started off terribly. <laughs> Are we going to go, <laughs> go, go on a real downward spiral from here? But yeah, um, I've, I've got to get your, your thoughts on Villa's new kit, man, because I don't think we've caught up in a while and things have gone wild since... I mean, last time we spoke on a podcast, I know we spoke in between, but last time we spoke on a podcast, it was when Villa beat Ipswich to... No, not even Ipswich, Bristol City last season to a, from a Josh Onama goal. And that seems like years ago. Yeah. It was only this time last season and it's mad. Yeah, everything's changed so much again, but also not changed at all. Um, and the, the sort of concept of time is playing fast and loose with everybody's memories. But um, you know what? I really like the home kit. The away kit is all right. And I hate <laughs> the third kit. No, come on. It's Let's... terrible. It is so bad. Oh, no, no way. Um, I think the third kit, mate, the third kit, it sets out to do what the brief said, and the brief said, look like the lights at Villa Park. Come on, man. I didn't read the brief, but it looks like something <laughs> you'd pick up as a summer essential in River Island. I, I do not like oh, it fair. at all. I think your, your, opinion, your opinion's valid. I think it's better than most people saying it, you know, uh, it's just a money spin. Because I think you don't need to buy it, do you? You don't need nah. to. <laughs> but I think, you know, they've run out of the home shirt to sell. So if these kits are proving to be so popular and there's a ground for a third kit, then, you know, fair enough. I'm not going to stop you. But um, aesthetically, I, I just think it's all over the place. And we're, we're never going to wear it. We're never going to, apart from Carabao Cup games, I can't ever see us wearing it. Oh, yeah, we're absolutely getting that knocked out in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, first uh, order of speaking after those kits is uh, the midweek game. And, I mean, even if you didn't see it, even if anyone listening didn't watch it, it's it's standard fare for Villa in the first round of the League Cup, isn't it, away? Mm. Just tepid. It's just bollocks, to be honest. Um, they, I think Steve Brewster's a good thing in these games because he gives the reserves a chance, gives youth players a chance. But they just look lost. And hopeless, and um, the, they always give a mandate to the other team to come out and batter him, mm. no matter who it is, and uh, play him off the park. And Yeovil really got in their faces, and that, that Villa should have got beat, to be honest, mate. And uh, I think it, it is that time is a flat circle thing. It really is because you go back to you know Luton a few years ago and Colchester last year, and uh, Villa just make it hard for themselves in these games. And people say, what what does it matter? But you know, you want to win. You want to the League Cup is probably Villa's. You know, one of their distinguishing things. Yeah. Over the you know the past decades, I remember growing up, and I was I, I was too young. It was more so uh, you and your mates more than likely watching Villa win in the League Cup. But it's still off. It's been our thing, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been our thing. But I think you know at the moment with the amount of extra games we have to play in the league, and the earlier in the competition that we come in, um, it's it's not really a priority anymore. Um, as much as that pains me to say, but you I mean you look at the the Carabao Cup or the League Cup, um, 
And it's the same teams winning it. It's Chelsea, it's Man City, it's Man United. So even if you do progress, you, you ain't going to get past those teams. So no. I, uh, I don't think these games against Yeovil and Col- Colchester and Luton are easy anymore. Like there was a time when we'd have brushed Yeovil aside, no question, you know, no problems, no questions asked. It would have been so easy that we'd have been moaning about having to go and play it. Um, and I just think, you know, fair play to Yeovil because they did come out. They saw that we had a couple of youngsters in the, in the team. They identified a few weak spots and they, they gave it a shot and it almost paid off for them. Um, well, on the day we did enough and, and that's all. I think all you can really judge them on is we won at the and it was a nothing game. Not something that I think we have to worry about affecting form because it was a completely different 11, but people are going to anyway. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of uh, criticism, I guess, comes out of these games because there's so much focus at the start of the season. Anyone who kind of runs a blog or a podcast know, will know that listens, views and everything. It's kind of, they they shoot up into the stratosphere at the start of the season because everyone just gets hyped. Mm. And, you know, expectations are really high. So I think that it's a massive disadvantage to play these games so early because everyone's always looking out for something. And one thing people are looking out for is the goalkeeping position because uh, Andre Moreira is a bloke we signed and no one can really find a reason to, as to why we signed him mm-hmm. because we kept we were seemingly keeping Jed Steer. Then we sent Jed Steer out on loan and then bought another keeper. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Uh, I'm going to leave that one there, mate, because I really, I really can't talk about the goalkeeping things anymore, especially after missing out on Sam Johnston. Mm, yeah, that, just... that one hurts. That hurts a lot. Yeah, because we speak about this, don't we? We go, why would we let uh, Galini go to raise someone else's keeper? And we go, oh, because we're going to eventually buy this keeper. Yeah, and yeah, then we we lose him to West Bromwich Albion of all teams. Yeah, that's the kicker that he's gone to the to that lot, but. I mean, you know, fair play to him because at the time he couldn't hang around. Um, you know, he was not going to get a look in at United and there was teams after him. So, And we didn't look like we were in the position to be one of those teams. So he's he's looked after himself. And I mean, there's probably a degree of regret on his behalf as well because I think he would have loved to have stayed at the Villa where he was, he was you know, he looked quite settled and um, had, you know, certainly a, a very good defence in front of him last year. Um, but, you know, I don't think Moyera did. Moyera, Moriera, Moriarty. I don't think he did too badly. Um, I saw a lot of people kicking off about him, but and I think it, he had a couple of headless chicken moments. But for the most part, I think he did quite well. Oh, yeah, it was a tough game for him as well. He's uh, He had his back to the Yeovil, um, you know, their hardcore. The Yeovil Ultras. For half the game. Yeah, <laughs> the side a lot. Yeah, um, for half the game, and they were they were giving him everything. You know, they were counting every second that it took him to take a goal kick. Mm. You know, very loudly and very aggressively. And he did come out, and he you know he second guessed himself loads, and he he pulled off like a theatrical save for a ball that was going. It was miles out, yeah. but he, he did everything, every effort to uh, you know do the uh, Hollywood moment, and then he saved a penalty and practically won the game. So yeah, there was that good one on one that he blocked earlier in the game as yeah. well. Um, cause it was it a mistake by Elphick? So, I think mean, overall he looked. I think he's looked steadier, a bit steadier than Nyland has. Yeah, I think. Uh, oh yeah, Nyland. He's had a real go of it, hasn't he? Mm. Um, so far, so we'll yeah we'll go on to him when we talk about Ipswich, uh, which we'll we'll come on to now, I guess, in the in, as time ticks on. Um, Ipswich, 
they haven't looked a good team in about a decade okay. or so. Um, I, I remember when I was a kid and you'd look at the sticker albums 2002 and you'd, you know, they'd be in there in the Premier League sticker album and they've just faded and the money hasn't been there. They sat Mick McCarthy rightly or wrongly and they brought in uh, Paul Hurst from, from Shrewsbury and, it, you know, the project's there, but is the money because they're loaning players from Atkinson Stanley. Mm. Yeah. yeah, they're an odd team. And I think this year, they, on paper, they've probably got one of the worst teams in the division. And I think it was that they lost to Rotherham last weekend. So you, yeah. you're sort of expecting them to struggle. And saying that, I don't want to do them any disrespect by saying, well, we should have gone there and steamrolled them. But we, by rights, should have gone there and steamrolled them. Um, the much better squad we were informed despite the sort of tepid football that we're playing. Um, and we just, I don't know, it's another one of those games like like losing to QPR last year. And even though it's, you know, it's only the third game of the season, that's, that could come back to haunt us. And I'm sick of these games that we're not picking up points in where we should be winning quite clearly. Yeah, I think Villa took the lead early on through... Jonathan Codger header and it looked like yeah it's a, you know we're doing this we're gonna get three goals we're gonna get the the 5-1 the 4-1 we're gonna get the points that we deserve and move on even if it isn't the best because that's what Villa do mm. they don't play well they get the point they're industrious you know they, they don't have a, a defined philosophy their possession then their long ball they're whatever they need to be um, they seem to get dragged through games on brilliance and it just wasn't there the final third decision making is awful yeah you know, when it, even when it comes to a player like Jack Grealish, you know, I'm never going to criticise him. But if there's one thing, it's pull the trigger. Yeah, It's just every time. And I'm, I'm not sure what the problem is anymore. Is it Steve Bruce? Is it is it the coaching? Is it the players? Because we, we always have this rotating table. You know, we turn around all the time and blame something else every season. Even when we got relegated, it was a player's fault. It's, it's, it's Randy Lerner's fault. It's, it's someone else's fault all the time. And every time we find, you know, we extinguish that that cause of blame or that fault it's someone else's it just passes on and i'm i'm really not sure what's happening here because we just aren't do, we're doing well until you look at the points and we're doing well we've got seven points out of the first three games and that's not villa to do that really mm. but it's just there is an underlying thing there is a massive worry and i can't shift it and i'm i'm, I'm assuming that's the same with you and most people who'll be listening oh yeah for sure um i think it's it's sort of a amalgamation of the three I mean we've, we've got a really great squad but you know five out of the 11 players on the pitch are played out of position um, I think we do have a, you know it's interesting what you say how we can be what we need to be but in Steve Bruce I think we have a manager who doesn't really do tactics and can't really break teams down as as we saw yes on uh, Sunday and um and again, I think it's the coaching because uh, despite the players that we've got, the way we play just isn't exciting and it isn't going to unlock anything and it isn't going to, you know, the players look slow. They look tired already in, in some instances and it's it's not sustainable. Um, we're, okay, we're picking up the points, which is great, but as soon as we come up against a Leeds or a Middlesbrough or, you know, a team that can play, they're going to cut through, uh, you know, they're going to cut through us like a hot knife through butter. I mean, we've got Brentford this week who I can just, I can absolutely see them picking us apart and coming away with a 2-0 win. 
and everyone's yeah going to be squawking with anger again because we should be beating teams like Brentford, but they've got the foundations, they've got an identity, in which is something we just absolutely do not have. Yeah, it's uh, it's like Villa at times mirror what Jurgen Klopp tries to do, and then Villa at times mirror possession football and that uh, positional play, like Bielsa. It's like they do these mad things. And it's never consistent. Mm. It's just they do what they need to do at the time. And it seems to, I don't know, it's, it must be luck or just instinct that they're doing it by because it's never defined. Like Bristol City, when we beat them five, whatever, um, we did, we, we played on the counter-attack, you know, lethal. And we the movement was amazing. And it just never, it's never replicated. Yeah, we did pick up some decent results last year. And some of the performances in those games were quite surprising as well. Um you know, Bristol City were, I think, a decent team last year. And, of course, we beat Wolves um, comprehensively. And, you know, we we, can't, we are capable of switching it on and figuring other teams out and being able to get around them and through them. And I don't want to say it's just luck because, it you know, surely it can't be just luck. You know, this is a very expensive squad of players who would fit into any team in this division but are just not able to do it week in, week out. No, it's 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 very frustrating, to be honest. And I'm, I've, I've had a few people talk to me and tweet at me that, are the players not getting frustrated with this? Surely they know within that they're meant to do better and progress and, you know, play football. And I'm not saying, you know, a lot of people say that Villa are a hoofball team and that, that that's not true because you don't beat Wolves and Bristol City last year by hoofing the mm. ball. At all, um, they do. It's definitely a symptom. It's something they definitely do when they're out of ideas. But when they're on form and winning the games, they're playing good football. I, I just don't know where the consistency goes, and I don't think anyone knows, to be honest. And it's not. It's not like Steve Bruce is going to get questioned on this no. because what if, I'm not going to say he's got a sway over everyone. But he's been around a while, and last season, you know, admittedly was crappy for him. It was horrible, but, you know, on a personal level. So I don't think anyone of importance wants to lay the boot into him too much. But it's it's just um, people. I think it's the time is it's all condensed. Like no one thinks of it as two years under Bruce. It's it's uh, three weeks this season. Mm. Almost everyone ignores what's come before, and that that's a frustrating thing. Like yeah, we've stabilised. Yeah, he's made do with whatever. But we haven't progressed. No. We've hit the ceiling, and there we go. It's strange, and we see that against Sips because the the players love him. You know, uh, Chester. When there was speculation about him uh, moving on, he, he he came out and said that if Bruce had gone, he'd have probably gone as well. And I thought, you sort of get the feeling that Jack likes him a lot as well, even though I think he probably knows he's never going to progress under Steve Bruce. And I think that's probably why he wanted to go to Spurs because um, of what Pochettino does with young English lads. And... I mean, they've got they've got to know they've got to know that this isn't good enough. That the way we're playing isn't good enough. And I, I don't want them to think that. You know, I don't want them to be in the mindset of, well, we're picking at the points, so that's enough. Because it's not really, um, especially when you're playing teams like Ipswich and Wigan and Hull, who are probably going to be in the bottom half of the table this year. Um. And I just, I just, you're right. It can't, it can't be holding sway. But there's something there. 
he must just be a fantastic talker behind closed doors. He must be saying the right things to the owners and to the players, and he just sort of edging by by the skin of his teeth. Yeah, I think we have to be honest with our the criticism of him, and I think we've all been very harsh with him. Um, I, I think it just comes down to the fact that Villa they're not reaching their potential. Yeah, they are doing well. It's like they've got seven points on the board. They are doing well, but it's going to get to that winter period mm. again. And it's just gonna, it's gonna go. You know, it gets the dark nights, the midweek games. It's gonna get horrible very soon. And you know, if the away crowd turn on him again, like they did at Brentford on Boxing Day last season, and they did it the year before, um, that's the third time that the Villa fans have called for his yeah. head in three seasons. And you know, where does it end? Because it won't end there. Surely, he, I don't think I can't see him actually getting sacked mid-season. No matter what happens. I mean, I'm sort of holding out the hope that we do what Southampton did when they fired Adkins and bought Pochettino in. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like he has, he does have that reputation in this division, but it's, it is slipping away quickly because he's failed in his objective twice now at this club, and he can't afford to even look like he's going to fail a third time. Um. Because like you said, those those winter games are coming and they come hard and they come fast and it's tiring and it's exhausting and it's confusing. And I just think if he um, if he has a couple of slip ups, then I think people I think the new owners will take notice when the crowd when the gates drop. If people stop coming, they'll they'll sit up and and start to wonder. And I hope. I never like to say that I hope that happens because I don't like to see people out of a job. I don't like to root against my own team. But I I want Bruce gone. Like, we need to do something different now. This division has changed and he hasn't and he never will. And I think he'll be great if he goes somewhere like Sheffield United and gets them up up and amongst the candidates for going up. But, you know, he's never won this division. He's never looked like he's going to win this division. And every time he has come up, he's come up by the skin of his teeth and, 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 he's, and he's dragged people up. He's not had a formulaic plan that he's been able to stick to and been able to explain coherently because every interview we see of him now, he's wheeling out the same excuses and it's excuses for the future. So, you know, or we haven't had much to spend. We have, we've had to beg, borrow and steal to get players in. This is Aston Villa, for goodness sake. It's the biggest club in the division. And... You know, you spent ninety million pounds. Um, I'm going off on a bit of a get off my lawn style rant here, but I'm sure I was going <laughs> somewhere with it. Um, but yeah, I hope he goes sooner rather than later. But I, I, yeah, you know, I can't see it. I think um, he's had the backing from the new owners, and unless something drastic happens, bad run of results, or the gate starts dropping, he'll be here for a while. Is it with Bruce for you then? Because it's not like a, a negative, is it, to want to dismiss him? It's not like, oh, we need him gone. It's more so that he's got us to the best point he could. Yeah. And it's time to, you know, move on. He's peaked already. He's peaked. Last season, he peaked. Like, he got us to fourth. I, I see last season as a huge failure. We were second at one point, and we just didn't build on it. And that was that was down to him and his decisions. Um all right, some of the, the players need to take their uh, blame for that as well. But he's he's peaked, and I don't think he can get us 
I don't think he can take us further than that. And even if he does, let's say he does take us up, where's he going to take us in the Premier League? Right, we're not going to be we're not going to be storming up the table there. We're going to be hanging on for dear life every week because he's going to sign the likes of Jake Livermore and whoever else. And other teams are just going to have too much for us to deal with. Is it the decision-making then? Is it, say, I, I like the thinking, I have to be honest, I like the thinking that he looks at someone like Millier Danak and goes, this guy could be a centre-back, this guy could, you know, adapt. But then it, when it doesn't work out, you know, the refusal to move on from that, mm. that approach or that idea. And that's what frustrates me because it's good thinking. It's quite outside the box thinking to, you know, convert your midfielder into a centre-back because he looks like he could play centre-back. But then it's that, you know, rigid ideas and not moving on and playing people out of position. And it just looks so stale and rigid. Any formation that Villa play, it looks locked into segments. Mm. It doesn't seem fluid at all. And yeah, that's it for me. Um, I really don't, it's not like I don't like him or I don't think that he's done a good job. I think it's just got to the point where it can't go forward. And I don't know how it would go forward. I really don't because he's he's not going to have the players he did last season. No, no. Um, you're you're right though. I don't hate him. I don't dislike him. Um, I think what he did last year, he did a lot to reconnect the club and the fans again. And for parts of last season, it did feel good to be a, a Villa supporter and and to look forward to match day. Um, and you know, I think you know, obviously, Milo Jednak can play as a centre back, but more in the sense of your first choice centre-back has had to go off injured, so shift Mille back into to paper the crack and pull on another midfielder in, in his position. I don't think he can play there week in, week out. And the guy's even said that he doesn't like playing at centre-back. So, all right, Tommy Elphick's not great, but he's an actual centre-back, and I'd rather have players in their natural positions. And, you know, stick Mille in, in front of him and then slot him back into into a back three while if we're trying to hold on to something you know I don't have coach I've got a level two coaching badge and that's just my opinion but I don't think many people would disagree with that and yet a guy who's had x amount of years experience is just banging his head against a brick wall with these selections and it's I saw someone say the other day, he seems like he's trying to get fired. Yeah, that it, it's quite odd because you you see this all or nothing stuff um, where, you know, you're going in depth with Man City behind the scenes, the tactics, and it just seems so simple for them to look at another team, find a weak spot, play into it. They don't care about losing the ball. They just care about losing it in ba- bad areas for the other team where they can't do anything with it. Or the, you know, by their corner flag. I don't see Villa doing mm. that. It's like, where's the... Is there any idea here? Or is there any um, philosophy? Because I know we had that, you know, quote-unquote Villa engine crap. But, um, it, yeah, that just seemed like a buzzword and there's there's no, there's no playing style there. Yeah. It's just... I'm not, again, I'm not going to say it's lumping the ball because it isn't, and I think that's too easy to just say we hoof it. It's just the, the lack of ideas. It's it's wasting. It's like fracking. It's just wasting all our resources, isn't it? It's just blowing everything. We get everything in the meat, the you know, the immediacy. Yeah. And like last season, it's it's wasted. We wasted the John Terry contract. We wasted having Robert Snodgrass and Josh Onama. Wasted having Sam Johnston. And uh, we're here in the aftermath of uh, an Ipswich draw, which you know is an end of the world. But where we've had a goalkeeper drop a, a clanger. Mm. 
because we can't, you know, we haven't had any stability at the position. And yeah, I, I mean, it is a, it is a, again, a transitional phase for Villa because they've got new owners with more money than we've probably ever had. But I, I just don't know. It's, it seems like this horrible wait. It seems like we're just in a waiting room, really. Well, the way that we keep going about business is that we're always going to be in a transitional period because let's say we do go up next season. We're gonna we're gonna have to overhaul the squad again, and then again, if we stay in the division, we're gonna have to overhaul again because half of those players are gonna be pushing pushing their mid thirties, and we're gonna lose probably the two best players we've got at the moment in Grealish and McGinn because if he plays, if he keeps playing the way he has been playing, he won't be here long. Like we've got to get up to keep these players, um. And yeah, Nyland, I don't know, like a lot of people were blaming him yesterday for the result and he's probably at fault for the goal, but he's not at fault for the result. Like we didn't do enough as a team to beat Ipswich. They were down to 10 men for almost, what was it, almost an hour and we couldn't, we couldn't get anywhere near him. So that's not the goalkeeper's fault. Um, I just hope that he, I mean, he's a Norwegian international He's just come from the Bundesliga, so he's not a slouch. You know, he's not a waste man. He's got to have something about him. But he's, I don't know, maybe it's a confidence thing. I don't know. Moving country is difficult. Well, maybe he doesn't trust his defence as Probably well. that as well, yeah. Um, whenever I've, you know, in my fleeting goalkeeping career, whenever I've come out dangerously to collect a ball or flap at it, it's because I don't think, the centre back's gonna get to it. Yeah. I think I've got to go up for it. Uh, I've done. I'm not gonna put any blame on him at all for the the first cock up in the Wigan match, but the second one, I think maybe he needs to trust his defence. Maybe he can't because if you don't have Yedinak, you have Tommy Alfik, who who absolutely hates goalkeepers mm. for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's it's just all a bit of a a weird jumble, and I I don't want to sound too negative. Because, it, again, it's seven points on the board, but I think we have to move away from this the binary thinking, and I think we have to think yeah. about more boys' what-ifs. And it's not necessarily Bruce in or Bruce out, but what could be. Yeah, and the, I, If he's going to lay the foundation, then so be it, but it ain't happening. The thing that's annoyed me the most at the moment is, uh, the, you know, obviously Steve Bruce has got his supporters, and that's fine. You know, if you like what he's the job he's doing, that's completely up to you. Um. But it's the whole sort of, it's like Brexiters and Remainers, isn't it? Like the people who back Bruce will come out swinging for no reason whatsoever to have a go at people who want him gone, even though there's points on the board. Yet, I forgot where I was going with this. It was going to be a really good point, and I've just—it was a good point. No, I, I, I totally agree with it. Um, <laughs> totally. But it's the the sort of rhetoric of. You know, this time last month, we were looking down the barrel of a gun and, you know, it didn't look like we were even going to start this season, let alone um, start with the players that we've, we've got. And then, you know, next thing you know, we've got these billionaire owners with the third richest club in the country or whatever. And and we've managed to keep our two star players. And it's like, yeah, I, I get what you're coming from with that. I, it's all perspectives. But how long are we going to back that up how long are we going to talk about that how long are we going to say like well you know at least we exist well at least we're, yeah. well, at least we're playing like you know at the start of the season we had no money we were we were going to be in administration it's like yeah yeah okay but we're not now so forget that because it's gone 
it doesn't matter. We're like, we're not in administration. So let's move on and deal with the situation that we're in, in the present. Yeah. I like the point you made about the Brexit thing. Cause it's like, there's two binary sides. And yeah. There's no argument for say, you know, against the EU or whatever. There's no middle ground to, you know, discuss an idea. And I'm not saying debating the Brexit thing is probably the best idea, but, um, in terms of the Bruce thing, there is room because it's not a, a you know a national crisis. It's Steve no. Bruce, and there's room to be, you know, agree, disagree, move on, and plan. And both sides. It just seems weird that there's two direct sides and there's no middle ground. It just seems very the arguments concentrated in two two camps, and there's barely any agreement between them. And it's it's hard to be on Aston Villa Twitter and try and be you know objectionable about it all and try and be it's always been like that as you'll know but it seems very extreme with steve bruce mm, i think it's because he was he was quite a polarizing appointment to begin with um he sort of you know he came with the massive expectation um but with the reputation of being a bit da- a bit dour in terms of how he sets things up but I think most of us were willing to go along with it because he got teams out of the division. And I don't know, it's, it's, the, it's the excuses again, isn't it? It's, we've, we've always hired these managers who don't look for solutions. They just make excuses. And he's doing that more and more lately. And he's getting away with it because we are picking up points. But like you said, when the winter comes and those games start coming and points slip out of your, out of your grasp every, every here and there, those excuses just aren't going to cut it. No, not at all. And uh, I think we'll uh, wrap up. We won't sum up the Reading game because it's it's a it's going to be after the Brentford game, and I really don't want to predict what's going to happen if we lose there and then slip to Reading. So we'll talk a bit more about the Reading game before we finish the, the Brentford game. Sorry, before we finish. And this is, these guys are really Villas bogeys yeah. here, really in big way. And I think you've seen a few of the games at their end uh-huh. at their park. Uh, away and it's it's always been dire it's always been like genuinely apocalyptic for us and Villa playing at Brentford yeah it's not it's a weird little ground as well because I've I've lived in London quite a long time now and I've been to see Brentford a couple of times uh when they've not played Villa and you can go and and it's such like a quiet place and it's it's a proper old rickety ground and you can go and it can be so quiet and there's no noise and there's nobody chanting and it's like being at a tennis match. But the two times that I've been to see us at Brentford, it's been it's been a whole different sort of sport, let alone crowd. Um, and we are generally home and away. We just don't tend to turn up against them. I think uh, there's no words to describe what Dean Smith's achieved there. And I know it's not just him. Dean Smith on his own isn't just a single catalyst for Brentford's success. It's their whole setup, you know, the mm. way they pick up players. It's just no one else is thinking of this and everyone else has, everyone else in the league. Brentford's budget is probably the second lowest, third lowest. It should yeah. be their size, their market size. They're a tiny team in London. They should be playing third or second division football. And yet they're not because they're so, they're punching above their weight based on the planning they've done. And it just seems embarrassing that, this team and I don't want to discredit them by saying they're small but they are tiny yeah they are they're slap bang in the middle of Chelsea territory really yeah and then if it's not Chelsea there's Fulham and Fulham are another kind of quaint team and if it's not Fulham it's QPR so West London's full of teams 
Exactly. And the way Brent, the Brentford is able, yeah, they're definitely rightly in position, but the way they're able to just play, not just play teams off the pitch, but plan teams off the pitch mm. as well. And it, it's embarrassing coming as a Villa fan with your massive ground and your massive budget and your famous manager and your, 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 your really good players. And you've nicked Brentford's star player as well. From yeah. yeah, And you can't beat them. You can't even look like beating them whenever you play. Yeah. Away. And home, it's all right. Home, you get a draw. But uh, I am worried because Aston Villa, like never before, have looked out of ideas. Mm. And uh, they come, Brentford come to Villa Park. And they've looked really good this season. A lot of focus has, has been on how uh, Bielsa's leads are playing, rightly so. But Brentford aren't playing that, that differently at no, all. There, there was that clip going around this week, wasn't there, of them yeah. uh, against Stoke? And they, they looked electric. And Yeah, I'd be worried, basically. I'm not going to go into too much detail because, yeah, it'll be a, a, it'll be a proper villa thing to just turf Brentford off the park and beat them. Yeah. Um, but... I'm I'm worried. I am worried about about Brentford, and that, that that's stupid. Aston Villa again should be the big dogs in this in this division, and they aren't. And uh, I don't know what more we can say about that, mate. No, I mean, well, Brentford just they do things in the right way for for their own needs, and um, they do it so well. And fair play to them because they are they are great to watch sometimes. And um, yeah, I really like Dean Smith, and I liked the job he did at Warsaw as well. I thought he was good there, um, and he's always, he's always one of the names in the frame uh, to to come and take over if if Brucey does go. And I mean, there was a point where I I really wanted him, but I'm unsure now because the way Brentford are set up, they're set up for if someone goes, someone will just take over and continue the work that they're doing. And I would be worried that out of that sphere, Dean Smith would not be as effective. Um, that might be completely unfounded and you're never going to know until he gets the chance, but that would be my concern with that. Well, it seemed very similar to when Leeds hired Paul Heckingbottom. Um, of course, they're yeah. in, in a terrible situation, but they hired the manager and his analytics team and the coaching team and the scouting team. They brought everyone they could in from Barnsley to kind of revolutionise Leeds and it, it collapsed. Mm. It didn't look anything like it was at Barnsley. I, I don't know if the players yeah. won't listen to him, but uh, it didn't work at all. And I think that it, it's just that big club cockiness of trying to take the entire template set out by a smaller team, employ at your club and it just falls apart. Yeah. I mean, Villa, Villa couldn't do what Brentford do because we have, you know, the because re, the resources we've got, we could do it in a completely different way. And I think that method won't necessarily be right for us, but we do need something more progressive and we do need somebody a bit more, not experimental, but just not willing to stick to the tried and tested. Well, do you expect Villa to beat Brentford in midweek? No, No, I don't expect anything anymore. No, I, I definitely agree. It's it's so deflating. Uh, it, we've tried to set out to be really positive, but already it's like third game of the season and we are chasing our tails. At least it isn't like last season when we put Chris Samba up front first game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at least there's a few more ideas than that. But again, it's looking a bit looking a bit like it's not going to end well already. And uh, that's my main concern, that we're already judging the end based on what we've seen. Mm, there's definitely something bubbling under the surface for sure. 
Well, mate, I think uh, that about wraps it up. I don't really want to go into the Reading because uh, the Reading match because we've got uh, one before in midweek. But yeah, where can uh, our listeners find you? Uh, should you want to be found? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at StevieGreen11 or I'm working on a project now uh, at Galazzo Studio. So that'd be pretty cool if you could stick a follow on that. Cool. Well, yeah, you heard the man. Uh, get following on Twitter and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. I'll hopefully be joined back by uh, Daniel if he's uh, done with his travelling. And we'll be wrapping up that Brentford game, hopefully a Villa win, and the Reading game, hopefully again a Villa win, but uh, we don't know what to expect. So, yeah, we'll see you next week. Goodbye, guys.